Hello, everyone, and I'm delighted again to be joined by Joseph Terrell again, and just not too long after he was with us um, just a few weeks ago. Um, this episode is going to be a lot different to what the format of the show is. Uh, usually, I don't talk about football that much. Um, I mention it here and there, but that's not the theme of the show. But to be honest with you, I think this is a bit of a bigger issue than just football, and this is a man that I think his perspective can help us um, a good bit to understand what exactly is wrong with the concept of this new um, European Super League? So, um, how are you doing, lad? Yeah, not too bad, Dave. Thanks for having me again. No, yeah, yeah, very welcome. So, I suppose, kind of what I want to... I kind of just want to... What's your in- initial thought when you heard there's apparently going to be... Um, th- like, I, I couldn't have thought that they're pulling this out their arse, but when you yeah. saw it's official that this is, this, this is happening, like, what was your, what was your initial thought like? It was a weird process because the night before I was watching the Ben Askren and Jake Paul fight. And that was um, a event that was organized by um, American owners in an American promotion that, you know, they used boxing as like a backdrop for money. It was a horrendous event. I don't yeah. think Ben Askren gave two shits that he'd been knocked out. And I remember thinking like, Jesus Christ, that was an absolute shambles. And just thinking about how, you know, people who don't have business being involved in something, you know, how, how they get these permission to do these things. And then anyway, I wake up a little bit later than I normally do because obviously I had to stay up late for the fight. And I wake up um, in time for the United and Burnley game. And I go on to the United stand just to hear what, you know, Goldbridge and Flex are saying about it. And they're talking about the Super League. And I'm going, that's weird. That kind of came out yeah. of nowhere. Because, look, the Super League's always been something that's been spoke about for for years, uh, you know, but never anything too serious. It was always just an idea. Um, and as the game's going on, more and more things are leaking out about the clubs that want to do it. And then, obviously, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, Gary Neville commenting on it. And we've got a... The announcement that came at like 11 or half 11 or whatever it was on Sunday night. Um, anger, you know, to answer your question, anger was, yeah, was yeah. The, the initial reaction because I just don't understand. And obviously we're going to get into it today. What the problem is with the format right now that they want to change and how it's going to benefit people um, who follow the sport religiously like me and you. Um, it was very, very confusing. I don't understand how the governing bodies are all involved in the clubs that are supposed to be taking part. I don't see how that's going to be fair and how that's going to work if there's a dodgy decision given against one team, you know? Um, so instantly when you're looking at this thing, you can already poke so many holes in it because it's just this, it's just such a weird concept. Um, and yeah, but it was a lot of anger really when, when I first found out about it. No, yeah, 100%. And like, I suppose there's so many issues with it you just mentioned even just a few just off the bat there there is just so many problems with this format um the biggest issue that i have straight out always is first of all it sounds like a fucking fifa challenge it sounds like something you do on <laughs> fifa for when you're bored because you don't you're bored of career mode so that's what you do mm-hmm. um didn't think it would ever come to reality it's almost like um it's it's not well it's not as ludicrous because i think this wouldn't be the worst thing to happen but it's almost like you know when you throw celtic and rangers into the premier league or something it's kind of like okay it's a bit mad you know i don't think yeah. it was actually gonna happen it's a fifa thing throwing cork city into the premier league something like that yeah um but the actual yeah the, the fact that it's actually going to happen now is is insane 
And as a Manchester United fan, you are a Manchester United fan as well. Um, lifelong yeah. Manchester United fans, two of us. And it's disgraceful yep. to think that... And, and it, no, I'm going to be careful with the language I'm using here because I'm not saying Manchester United are a disgrace for this. They are, but it doesn't represent Manchester United. This is the problem that we've had for years. It's the problem that other clubs have had for years. But what we've had in particular, and we know ourselves, is the Glazers. It's the problem of American ownership the fact that they don't know anything about the club, they haven't backed any manager, and, and it, it's it's been the issue of why Manchester United have not been where they should be over the last few years. And any any position we're in right now is not credit to the Glazers. It's not credit to any investment they've given us anything. It's credit mm-hmm. to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's credit to his coaching staff. It's credit to the players and to the fans. It's nothing at all to do with the Glazers. So when I see United fans coming out. And kind of saying, oh, but look, the Glazers aren't doing too bad, really, are they? Well, well, fucking look where we could be if they had given, like, any manager what they actually wanted in the first place. Now, that's a whole separate conversation. But it's just mm-hmm. part of the venomous fucking culture that exists as a result with this American ownership that exists in the Premier League, unfortunately. Yeah, you know what, like... <laughs> You know, I don't want to get too disgusting with this, but this concept are the Glazers. It must be Joel Glazer's wet dream. The fact that he can make yeah. this type of money um, in a competition. Where there's really, I mean, calling it a competition is being kind. This league where there's no competitiveness. He has a guarantee where he's going to be there every year. Doesn't have to win the league. Even if he does, he'll go to a playoff. So the fifth place team can win the league. That's another big issue in it. Um, no relegation. No real need to improve the squad. Nothing. It's just it's just guaranteed um, money with no reward for um, progression. No, no room for progression. You know, like me and you as Manchester United fans, you know, we hear about this, you know, that these clubs are getting 3.5 billion. We're not seeing any of that 3.5 billion. We're no, fans of the no. club. We just want to see the team. We want to see the team win. That's just the same for Liverpool. Same for Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, Spurs, like these these fans. It's not just Manchester United. It's 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 all these teams. And I've never, you know, with football, I never once thought that we'd get to a stage where people would sell their soul and essentially spit on the history of these clubs to make a bit more paper. Um, you know, the, the European Cup, which is going to suffer terribly from this, it's probably going to just cease existence from this 1958 we lost eight of our players coming back from a European game after Matt Busby um, you know saw what the European Cup was going to do for, for football in the future 10 years later one of the surviving players lifts the trophy and Matt Busby the surviving manager at his last game in his first run with the club and his most successful run with the club the second most successful period we've had um, away from Sir Alex uh, or the most successful period we've had away from Sir Alex, our second most overall. 1999, we win the treble, the Champions League being the, the final piece uh, in the most dramatic way possible. Teddy Sheringham and Ali Solskjaer, the two substitutes getting the two last-minute goals. 2008, we win our third European Cup 50 years after the Munich air disaster, after beating Barcelona in the semi-final, which was uh, a, a great moment in itself, when we definitely, without a doubt, I don't care who you support, we were the best team in the world at that stage. We had a once-in-a-lifetime athlete like Cristiano Ronaldo, Ryan Giggs, you know, um, on the day he broke Sir Bobby Charlton's appearance record, scored what would technically be the winning penalty because he scored before an Elka missed. And we have just this such rich tradition with the European Cup and we're turning our back on it now. Same at Liverpool, Istanbul, an amazing moment for them. The Champions League they won in 2019, 
unbelievable uh, achievement considering where they were when Klopp took over. Uh, Chelsea have Munich in 2012. They had to win the Champions League to qualify the following season. They beat Madrid in their own backyard on penalties uh, after Bayern. some late drama. You know, yeah. What I say again? You said Madrid there just to just in case you. I say Madrid. Sorry, yeah, Munich. Yeah, yeah no, no. That's how angry I am. I'm getting clubs mixed <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, they beat Munich in the 2012 final. Um, who else? I mean, Aaron, another just getting rid of the chance, any chance of that ever happening? Because obviously they're, they're both not in it this season. Arsenal might win the Europa League, grand, but they're, not, they're never going to have a chance to win the European Cup. It's just selling your soul for for money. And you're just taking, it's, you know, where do the fans come into this, you know? And and yeah, and like um, I was watching the United Stand the other day and Mark Aldridge was talking about this and he said... Um, that regardless, even if this goes tits up, which actually today now I've been seeing a few things where I think it's likely this could go tits up, hopefully. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the damage is done. Like the damage is done. The clubs have agreed to this. That's what the owners we have of these football clubs, these great football clubs, all, all of the football clubs who've agreed to this in England are great football clubs with a great, great history. Um, Manchester United and Liverpool in particular, though, have such a great history with their fans, great relationship with their fans, um, you know, the two biggest clubs in English history without a doubt. So for the two, those two in particular ha- should ha- hang their head in shame for this. Like this is absolutely, it's, 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 it's a big kick in the balls for the fans. First of all, because we, we've been supporting the teams for years um, through some very hard times. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, in recent years, maybe not as hard times. I know there's some fans, maybe like Bolton fans, um, other kind of fans, Newcastle fans that might be laughing, saying, oh, through the heart is. But of course, like every time that you're getting used to something, you know, obviously if you're used to a certain amount of success, a period where you're not doing as well, and when you know things could be better, it's a frustrating time for any kind of fan as well. So that's a, that's yeah. a time when, when obviously it's important to, for the fans to support the team. And at the end of the day, clubs would be nothing without fans. Um, we've seen how much, you know, football has suffered without fans being able to attend games because of the coronavirus pandemic stuff like that and it's it's a shame really because like football in a lot of ways has helped that would help me an awful lot through this pandemic because at least i've had it i've had to be able to watch the matches and stuff and credit to um the teams in the world for coming together and being able to do that but it has been lacking without fans there's big games there where you can see it's just the atmosphere just isn't there like you know there's some obviously games that would always have something to them um and the atmosphere is sucked out of it and that and that is tough don't remember but you can see why that's so important and i There'll be no real fans will support this European Super League. I don't want to watch Manchester United playing in the European Super League. I don't have interest in it, in them winning it. I don't have interest in anything like that. And there was something that I realised the other day, which I'd never thought I'd ever see, is fans hoping their own clubs will be punished. And I've yeah. never, ever... It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's absurd to witness it. I've never in my life witnessed anything like it. And I myself was hoping. I'm like, you know what? If we get banned from the Europa League, we deserve it. If we get banned from the Premier League... We deserve it because of the disrespect we've shown to the game. Liverpool are the same, Chelsea are the same, Tottenham are the same, Arsenal are the same, Man City are the same. They were all the same for the absolute, I'm only speaking on the English clubs here, like the absolute disrespect they've shown for the great game. Absolutely disgraceful. Well, you know the funny thing is about that as well, right? So I just said, I'm gonna, I, got, I got the clubs up in front of me here. Um, 
and of course the thing decides to refresh. But like, let's just you know, let's focus on the English teams now, for example. So they're on about being a big six, right? So Manchester United. Let's talk about our club first, right? Manchester United haven't won a league title since 2013. Our yeah. highest finish since then is second, and we finished 19 points behind the team who won the league. We've won three uh, major trophies, not counting Community Shields, the FA Cup, where we came fifth, the League Cup, where we were struggling to get into the top four. And then the Europa League, which was amazing because it got us back into the Champions League. We haven't won anything since. And the closest we've gotten so far to winning anything since then is the Europa League again. Semi-finals last year, currently in the semi-finals this year. Who knows whether we're going to stay on that or not. So that's Manchester United. Manchester City. 20 years ago, Manchester City weren't even in the bloody Premier League. 22 years ago, I should say. They obviously had a very dramatic playoff final um, the same year we won the treble in 99. Man City have modernised football in the sense that they showed that owners who come in and buy a club, whether you agree with it or not, if they give the right um, ingredients to the club, they can completely change things around. And they've been one of the most successful teams for the last 10 years. But Manchester City haven't even played in the Champions League final, never mind win the bloody thing. Arsenal have been in one final in 2006 they lost they haven't come close since they got to the semi-finals in 2009 and we battered them um, so that's Arsenal Spurs got to one final and lost to Liverpool look good Liverpool team but I mean Spurs were probably the luckiest team I've ever seen get to a Champions League final then we have Chelsea who again have only won the European Cup once and it was fantastic against uh, Munich nearly said Madrid again for some reason um, <laughs> bloody um, you know f- fantastic moment um, uh, for them um, but you know they haven't again the following year they were in the Europa League and they've been very up and down in Europe since then they haven't won a league title since 2015 to go back to Arsenal they haven't won the league title since 2004 Spurs haven't won it since the 60s like these are not historically always the top six teams the year we won the treble it was United and Arsenal Newcastle and Flippin Villa were behind us yeah Preston won the first ever English division and they did it unbeaten Burnley and Wolves had periods where they were very successful. The top six or big six, whatever you want to call it, they're not there forever. There's not, it's not a God-given right that they're yeah. going to be there. We came seventh in 2014. Yeah. Like you've, to go on to the foreign clubs, uh, Juventus, they haven't won a Champions League this century. They were in Serie B more recently than they won their last Champions League. This is not a God-given right. Real Madrid, I'm very disappointed with because... Only, you know, from 2016 to 2018, only in the last, you know, five years, they won three on the bounce. But look what happened to them when one player left. They completely fell apart. But now they think they have this God-given right to go into it. Valencia, historically, are a better club than Atletico Madrid. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) They've they've bottled two Champions League finals. You know, these clubs... Yeah, it's surreal to see Atletico Madrid in particular um, coming from the Spanish. They're, they're supposed to be the, um, oh, we're the anti, um, you know, rich club. We're not Real Madrid. We're not the Royals. We're not the, um, we're the working class football club and all the rest. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's incredibly shocking. Um, but again, this is, this is what the ownership does. The managers, they're putting managers in an awful position, can I just say. Um, speaking especially from yeah. uh, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's point of view, I think you made a great point about it, is that they put him in a position the other day where he had he didn't know anything about what was happening and he had to go on live TV and answer questions about something he didn't know. Um, it's an awful position to not communicate with the managers. Guardiola um, gave a good press conference about it uh, either today or yesterday. My yeah. mind has gone to shit. But, he, um, but again, he's in the same position where doesn't know an awful lot about it, but... Again, you know, he wants to give his opinion. He has to be able to speak out about it. And it's great to see some players have stepped up. Um, a lot of them are in a position where, like, 
they can't I'd say they, they don't know I'd say they're onto their legal teams they're onto their agents being like can I can I say much about this can I do this or whatever and there's a lot at stake for them as well and it's an awful position to put people in because no player wants to no there's no player like Bruno Fernandes is an example of a player who would not support something like this and he hasn't in fairness he has come out and talked about it and all the rest like but He's somebody who does who believes in earning trophies. He believes in winning the challenge of winning. That's why he came to Manchester United. That's why he came to a club where he wanted to win big. That's why he saw this club growing up and he wanted to win big. That's the difference, you know? Do, do you know what the fucking... Um, excuse the language. But you know what the, the funny thing is? Is PSG have been the voice of reason in all of this. I know, and that's bad. Like... <laughs> When PSG are saying, lads, this has gone a bit too far, you know you've messed up somewhere. You know, I mean, I love Ander Herrera, obviously a great player for us when he when he was um, at Old Trafford. But, um, you know, he was probably the first big name to come out and speak up against it. Um, you know, to go back to the punishment side of things as well, you know, um, Jurgen yeah. Klopp obviously was interviewed last night about, um, you know, how... As much as we're angry about what's happening, and obviously he doesn't agree with it, he, you know, there's a statement from 2019 from him saying how much he didn't like it. Um, you know, he, he does make a good point in the sense that let's try and not put this um, energy towards the players because the players haven't decided this. They have been yeah. left in the dark probably more than, well, or just as much as we have. Um, you know, Ollie as well, to, you know, to go back to him, like big, big win for him on Sunday against Burnley. Uh, you know, Burnley have traditionally been a bogey team for us. And, you know, to be because apparently he was given the news right before the game. You can tell he's elated during the game, but then he has to kind of try and deal with this shocking news again uh, after yeah. the game, you know. And, uh, you know, the fact that Sky Sports asked all the clubs to come out and speak about it and they've all refused. What are they playing at here? Like, what is the end goal here? Is the end goal to just piss off every single person who makes this sport run for a bit of money? I know I keep going back to the money side of things, but, you know, that's what it seems to boil down to. What I'm still riding on, um, hopefully, that this is is a late April Fool's joke is what I'm really hoping. Yeah. That's Because uh, if this came out on the 1st of April, you would have tossed it away. Ah, go fuck your... Like, go away. Like, fuck this. Like, But yeah. um, going back there to um, Ollie, and, of course, yeah, I was delighted after. That win meant an awful lot to me um, on Sunday because, yeah. obviously... It's pretty much secured second place for us. And this has been a great season. I'm just going to say this has been an absolutely unbelievable season for United overall. It's had some ups yep. and downs. It's not perfect. It's not where I think we should be aiming to be for the rest of, you know, we should be aiming to go further again. But credit where credit's due. It's been a great season. Um, we're probably going to finish second. And we have we possibly could win the Europa League. But there was, on, on the negative side of things, when I see all the stuff about European Super League and all that, I don't feel as excited about the, the season ending on a high at all. I don't feel like oh. I'm not enthusiastic about the Europa League. I'm not enthusiastic about finishing second in the Premier League, anything like that. And that takes from the enjoyment. And that's that's an awful thing to, to do to fans as well, because like it, it's very hard. To, like Manchester United are obviously a club that I've loved since I was a small boy. I, I will always love them an awful lot. They'll hold a great place in my heart. But it's very hard to support a team that... Where the, where, where the ideals are not being represented in every day. This is not Manchester United. This is not what Sir Alex Ferguson would have wanted. This is not what Sir Matt Busby would have wanted. This is not what any of the class of 92 would have stood for. This like like Gary Neville was talking the other day about um, Sir Alex Ferguson in the dressing room. And like his attitude every season was, it doesn't matter what we did last season, lads. We're starting anew again. We could be relegated for all we know. We're starting anew again. 
every season you have to start at your very best and that's what's great about football we won yeah. the Premier League in 2013 as you say finished seventh next season obviously sucked like fucking hell but at the same time that's what makes football great is that you don't know what's going to happen the next year do you know yeah exactly like I mean like you talk, I was talking about 99 earlier in 1999 um, we obviously won the treble the year before that Arsenal won the double like that's how competitive it was and that's how much those two teams drilled each other on and obviously we won three league titles in a row when we won three league titles in a row from 07 to 09 it was off the back of going three years without a league title and Sir Alex completely rebuilding the team these are the moments that football and the journey that football takes you on it's this um (laughs) there's nothing else like it you know I was talking about wrestling on this on this podcast a few weeks ago and I was saying yeah. that there's nothing you know like wrestling there's nothing like football you know what I mean there's there's nothing that can take you on such an emotional roller coaster like football does in in 90 minutes or over the case of 38 weeks in a season um you know like I mentioned Gary Leahy on on, on that show I'm going to mention him again here he's a Newcastle fan he's yeah. had some very very tough things to put up with both on and off the pitch between relegation and and uh, ownership changes not happening and you know but let's let's touch on Newcastle for a bit as well because this is a very interesting point and it goes back to what I was saying about the top six not always being the top six Newcastle nearly got a major takeover um last year and I'm telling you had they gotten that they would be a force to be reckoned with and maybe teams like you know Arsenal would who, let's be honest, it's kind of kind calling them a top six club at the moment. They would yeah. have dropped away a bit. And Newcastle would, would, would go up there. Like, that's just the the, um, the circle of, of life in football. Like, things change. But when you put these things in place, you're stopping that from ever happening. Leicester City won the league in 2016. I was lucky enough to see them play the day before at Old Trafford. That was a beautiful moment that a team two years beforehand were in the championship. The following year, narrowly stayed up and came 15th. And then because the big teams didn't have a great season, Leicester took advantage and won the league and gave us the most beautiful moment in Premier League history. But that's going to be yeah. gone with this with this system, you know? Yeah, and as you say, um, Leicester, another, another example of how football can be amazing, how com- competition in football can be amazing, um, having been in League One only a few years previous and then somehow winning the Premier League. Like, had you said that to Leicester fans, they would have thought, like, you know, that's, that's just unbelievable. And that's what's great about football is that a team can do that. West Ham are going to finish in the top four this season, possibly, which I, yeah. I think would be great for football. And I was thinking that even before I heard the announcement of the Super League, I wanted even more now, to be honest with you, because I just think it's very good for for the, for a change up in teams. And yeah, there is no such thing as a, as, as a big six or a traditional top six as well, I've heard thrown around as well, which is absolutely ridiculous. There is no such thing. Um, Newcastle were a team uh, in the late 90s that were doing absolutely we're, we're doing fantastically well staying up there and, and uh finishing in top four um nearly took the title off us at one stage that's how good like they were back then it's it's it's, it's a big difference like you can't come out and say that somebody has a god-given right to be in the top six but arsenal spurs can get away with it more in the last few years because they've been up there a bit more but arsenal it's laughable to call them a traditional top six at this stage i know they are still a big club all the rest like but yeah, ridiculous to call them a traditional top six team at this stage. Absolutely laughable. Yeah, yeah. you know, like listen, Arsenal, Arsenal are a great club, and I know people will probably think, "No, we're having a go at them." I'm not because I've a lot no, of respect for the all, club. No. They've got a great stadium. They've got um, unbelievable facilities, and you know, 
they've been a great rival throughout the years. I've so much respect for Arsene Wenger as a manager. I think the way he changed football um, in terms of how, you know, uh, the game was played and and gave Sir Alex the best manager of all time, that amount of competition for as long as he did. It's fantastic. I've nothing but respect and admiration for, for what Arsenal did back then, even though it was to the, you know, um, it, it did put my team in second place for a couple of years. But, you know, it, that's just, that's football. That's, that's you know, the way yeah. it goes. Um, but... Again, like I think with the position Arsenal are in and you know how difficult things have been for them, I think the one thing that gets them through that is the thought of things getting better. The thought of, okay, let's get back into the Champions League. Let's try and win another Premier League. Let's try and build towards that first European title. And now that's being ripped away from them. You know, it's this is going to kill so many beautiful things about football. I, I think I said it on my show the other day. I definitely said it on Twitter. That I don't think the beautiful game has ever looked worse. It's never looked so yeah. ugly, you know? Um, and, you know, not to get too, like, personal or emotional here, but, like, I mean, my granddad was a huge football fan. My granddad used to live in North London, saw the likes of Jimmy Greaves play for Spurs. He would have seen the, um, the you know, the Busby Babes play um, um, when they came to White Hart Lane. Obviously, you know, he's, he's mentioned he's, he saw players like George Best later on and, and Bobby Charlton, and he just he got to see all the greats in the 50s and 60s. Um, but you know, granddad passed away in 2017 and literally I've told the story before that like we held the United Crest together in our, in our arms as, as he passed away. And it's like, we had all the highs and lows of watching United play and literally in his final breath, that crest was a part of who he was underneath his suit. The day he was cremated, he wore a Manchester United Jersey. I wore a United Jersey under, you know, under my suit. Like these are yeah. the connections we have with football and money can't buy those things. And these are the things that aren't being considered by these criminals in, in charge of these clubs that are um, just murdering the sport. And I know in America, and this is with no disrespect to the Americans because what, what they do works for them, but like their sports are very franchise kind of um, based, you know, and it works for them. But the thing that their fans love about European sport is the systems we have in Europe, the, the relegation and, and pyramid uh, systems we have. And it's like, you know, it's a good alternative for them. And like, that's gone as well. Like it's, <laughs> you're you're just sucking every little bit of enjoyment that people are getting from this sport. And, you know, it's, it's getting us to the kind of point now where, where do we draw the line? And when do we walk away? Because I tell you now, lots of people are going to walk away from this if it does go through. Yeah, and um, just to touch on the American sports there, um, again, I, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a fan of the NFL, uh, personally myself. Um, it's the only yeah. American sport I, I, I do take to myself. I'm a Patriots fan. Um, I have a connection there because I have family living there and stuff like that. So yeah. I do care for um, American sport. I do think it, it, it has its place, but it's not what European and especially English football has been. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, and, and of course, when, when you're speaking about your grandfather there and what the, the connection you have had with football with him and the love he got of, of Manchester United as a result of you as well is yeah. very important. And as you say, you can't buy that. That's that's football. And I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about doing the show, a, a point I wanted to raise was that football is not just a game. Like some people might, you know, see the, uh, people like ourselves sharing stuff on social media and think like, oh, but sure, why are they overreacting? Like non-football fans I'm talking about, like, why are they overreacting to this? Why, like, that's ridiculous. This this is stupid. Like, it's just a different type of game or whatever. Football is a lot more than just a game. It's a way of life for people. Yeah. It's been um, it's been part of history. Football clubs 
um, have been formed through people coming together, communities coming together, um, people looking after each other. You can see it. And what I've always loved about Manchester United in particular, and Liverpool are, are quite the same in a lot of ways, is that the, despite the fact that they're such big teams, some of the biggest brands in the world, um, recognised all over the world, there is still a sense of community amongst the fans. And I do like that. Do you know what I mean? And I've experienced that an awful yeah. lot when I've been to Manchester, which is an absolutely great city. Um, when I've seen, like, I've experienced that as you know, with the United fans that are in Manchester, even with Man City fans, you can have a bit of crack. I've met some dodgy people, like there's plenty of dodgy Manchester United fans as well, of course. But yeah, I do think that football is a lot more than just a game. It's been a source of distraction for people during this time in particular. Um, the fact that we yeah. got football back after it went away for so long, um, the fact that we got it back is amazing, and the fact that we're able to follow it, and that even though we've, uh, it, Britain and Ireland have both been in lockdown for a long time, that we can still experience these matches every weekend, and that's that's not to be taken for granted. And yeah, that's that that's pretty much the point I'd have to make about that. Really, is just how important football is for people in their everyday lives, which people might not appreciate that if you're not a football fan yourself, you know. Yeah, like it's one of these things where it's like you're either in it or you're not. And if you're in it, you're in it for life. And if you're not in it, I don't think you'll ever understand it. You know, it's that's that's the way football is. And that's the way, um, you know, that's kind of the mentality people have in it. Um, I've had messages from people asking me what's, you know, what's going on who aren't into football. And it's very hard to try and explain to them what actually is going on, because, as I say, you kind of have to be in it. But. Yeah, to to go um, on to you know football during COVID, like I mean, our first game back was against Spurs. We drew one all. I'd never ever been so happy to draw with Spurs in my life. It was just great just to have it back, and it was great just to you know go through those feelings and getting annoyed at going one nil down. The, the anxiety of you know your player stepping up to take the penalty in you know in the latter stages of the game. It was it was brilliant, and even when the news was coming out about the Super League during the Burnley game. I remember just sitting back going, Christ, isn't this just isn't this a great league where you, you get a team like Burnley in 17th and they're coming to Old Trafford. They haven't lost here since 2015. And they are, they're giving us a game. They gave it a good goal. Actually, they had a goal disallowed in exactly, the first 14 yeah. seconds. You know, and you don't get that every in every sport. You know what I mean? Um, where anything can happen. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just it feels like someone's died <laughs> to be quite honest it's it's been like grieving a death the last uh couple of days um let's just hope there's a resurrection soon and let's hope this gets resolved but having said that i i think this is going to go on for this is going to go on for a long time and it's going to be very very interesting to see how uefa and the premier league and, and the fa what punishments and measures they're going to put in for these teams and what outcome we do eventually come to but at the time it's a very um it's a very, very intense time to be a football fan. Yeah, and as you say, um, you know, there, there, there's been talks about potential um, point reductions, uh, deductions, sorry, um, stuff like that. And yeah. if United face something like that, I'd be very upset. And I'm not. It's, it's not upset because I feel, oh, we're being hard done by. We're not being hard done by. We deserve it, but the players don't deserve it. Um, the, 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 we, our players have worked very, very hard this season to get to where we are. Um, we've had ups and downs. We haven't been perfect, but. There's, there's, there's players have worked very, very hard. The managers worked very, very hard. Ali Gunnar Seltzer, he hasn't been, he hasn't been backed by, by, by the club. He hasn't gotten the support no. he wanted. He hasn't gotten the players he's wanted. And yeah, so what? But he's been given. He's done very well. 
Um, I've an awful lot of respect for Ali. Um, he loves Manchester United. He loves what Manchester United is about. Um, even though he's not from England, he comes from Norway or whatever. He's like ourselves. You know, he's not from well, we're not yeah. from Norway, but you know, he comes from outside <laughs> of Manchester, out of England. But he loves Manchester United. He understands what the club is about. He was one of our greatest players. He yeah. deserves a lot more than this. So if we face any punishment, I will feel very, very bad for him. I will feel very, very bad for the players. But I don't feel bad for the football club as a whole because I don't. I think our representatives, unfortunately, are the ones that are going to have to face the punishment. And maybe it's the only thing that will give them the kick in the fucking bollocks that they need. Don't know if it, was, it is any good or whatever, but look, they're going to stay at the end of the day, these... these um these rich investors for every club because I think Gary Neville yeah. was on about it. Where's the money going to come from if they go? And that's the sad part. Like, who's going to buy them? Is it someone worse? That's just the way yeah. the, the market is, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm just going to just uh, go back on something there. Um, Turl is a Norwegian name by origin, so maybe I have oh, some connection yeah. to Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. So very proud of my, my Norwegian connections there. So... Hit me up, Ali, if you need me. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, but uh, as you know, as you were saying there about you know, um, obviously, Ali, you're being from Norway. Obviously, we're from Cork, um, and the fact that football can take you on these journeys with you know, um, like you know, we've bought into Manchester, we've bought into Old Trafford, and we we adore the city, we adore the place itself. But this is something else I want to touch on. It's not one hundred percent related to the Super League but it does kind of um, deserve a mentioning here because I've got friends and I'm sure you do too, who are League of Ireland fans. And yeah. I think there's a lot of noise coming from there saying, Oh, this is why you should support us. And this is why you need to come in and, you know, do this with us or whatever. Um, I would just like to state now, I will not be supporting a League of Ireland team. If this thing goes through, because Location does not make you a better fan of a club. I've said this time and time again. You know, the connection me and Grandad had at Manchester United um, was was um, th- that connection was was in it was above uh, location. Me and you, our friendship essentially started at Old Trafford in a mm. Champions League game where you know we went on a school trip and we sat next to each other and had one of the probably best nights of our life. You know, yeah. seeing us come from two 0 down, you know, and and go through to the quarterfinals. Um, I, I I I've seen a lot of this kind of. Um, it, it, this very toxic kind of um, mentality that some League of Ireland fans are now trying to use towards fans of English teams, saying this is why you should have stuck with us all along. I would just ask for people on both sides to not get into that because what's happening right now is a lot more important than that. Because let's 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 just get that clear. There's lots of local fans in Manchester, Liverpool, London, um, Turin, Madrid, Barcelona, and you know um, they're. They're, you know, the lifeblood of those clubs in terms of the match day attendance. Um, but the international fans are very important as well. And that's the reason we've gotten onto the, the scale that we're on now. With with the League of Ireland, I'm not ever going to dispute the fact that those local fans are important. But I don't think they'd be getting stuck on people from Manchester if they were supporting Cork City or Cove Ramblers or whoever. So I just thought that was worth mentioning that we need we shouldn't make this about location. This needs to be made about, you know, the love for a football club. And to try and stop, you know, this beautiful game um, going down a commercial route where the fans are secondary and there's real, you know, there's no real transfer progression. Because with this uh, proposed Super League as well, um, you know, there's obviously UEFA's proposal of a new Champions League, which is another, you know, topic in itself. And I, I don't like it at all. I don't like how there's special treatment for certain teams based off how big they are. 
So essentially, we could come sixth and they'll just give us the Champions League place out of the kindness of our hearts. I don't believe in that. I think that every champion should be in the group stage. I think they need to cut down the qualifiers. I don't think all the fourth place teams should go straight into the group stage. Um, you know, yeah. so that's kind of another another kind of you know branch from from this tree as well is um, if this thing stops, how can we make the Champions League? How can we structure that better? Where teams from Ireland, from Wales, from Norway, Sweden, wherever. Uh, you know the Netherlands another place with, with a great league how can they improve as well um, you know but um, yeah. yeah I think as bad as the Super League is I think there's lots of other arguments starting now as well and, and that needs to be kind of stamped out too yeah so first of all I'll touch on that League of Ireland point um, first of all I respect Cork City an awful lot as a football club look I, and they are and someone tweeted, tweeted something the other day where they were on about oh you know the staff of Cork City know us all by name personally and all this kind of stuff and look that is true I've no doubt of that but that's because it's a smaller club if Cork City became a club the size of Manchester United or Liverpool it's hard to get to know everyone around the place Manchester yeah. United are very good to local people in Manchester they've done some very good things during the pandemic um, of course you can do in as much as you can do as a big business of course Um so I respect Cork City an awful lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ditch. I'm not bashing them. Uh, the League of Ireland is what it is. I don't believe there's enough investment from the FAI goes into the League of Ireland um, compared to, we'll say, the FA in England. Yes, they have much money, but they, they give a lot of money to, to other things that don't deserve it as much, maybe. And that's yeah. another argument, but that's an argument for a different day. But I'm just saying the point I'm making is that I do respect Cork City an awful lot, but I do not have a connection with Cork City. I have a connection with Manchester United. And that's not. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the team that, that took my attention. I grew up watching players like David Beckham, Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney, um, you know, just to name a few, Cristiano Ronaldo even, were players that just took my attention as a child. Um, yeah. Roy Keane was the particular one for me because he was a big Irish player. And yeah, to see... The, so, so that's my connection with Manchester United. And I fell in love with them as I grew up. And I fell in love with the mentality. I fell in love with the history of the club. I fell in love with everything to do with the club. And they will always be my team. I don't yeah. have that connection with Cork City. Look, of course, you know, it, it would be ideal. It would be great to support a local team because you might have more of a local connection and all the rest. But it raises another point about local local teams. And um, Mark Goldberg, I know we're mentioning Mark an awful lot. We're sucking his dick mad on this podcast. But um, one thing about Mark uh, that he made a point because he lived in Ireland for a while about fans like, like there's, there's there's a lot of Manchester United fans even would say, oh, if you're not from Manchester, you're not a real fan or whatever. And he yeah. said, like, I've seen Irish fans, what they do. And we've experienced this. We've gotten on the ferry. We've stayed up all yeah. night. We've gone on the long night bus journeys. It's not a pleasant journey. It's a bit of crack. Don't get me wrong. There's some great things about it. But it's a draining journey. You'd, have to, be, you'd have to be into the team to do it. You'd have to be a yeah, supporter yeah. of the club to do it. And that's so there's fellas down the road living in Manchester that wouldn't be bothered going up to Old Trafford. Does that make them a bigger fan than me or you? Absolutely yeah. not. Do you know, you know what I mean? I, I, I said that before that there could be some forty-year-old fellow over in Salford now who has never given United any thought, never went to the stadium, never did anything, but he could wake up tomorrow and say he's a United fan. And according to these people's argument, he's a better fan because of where he's yeah. from. Makes no sense you because know? of his geographical location. If you want to support a team out in the back arse of Kazakhstan, Astana, Astana are a great club. They beat us in the Europa League, so they're a great club. If yeah. you want to support a stand, that's up. If they have a connection with them, you mightn't even be like you know. People say, "Oh, well, what's your connection with them?" It doesn't matter. Maybe they're just a club that got your attention for whatever reason. That's absolutely fine. I know, I know, Athletic Bilbao fans. Bit random. No Spanish connection to them or whatsoever. They never even lived there. They just, they, they, they they're just a team that got their attention. They like the history. They like the integrity of the club. They like the what the club stands for. 
and just some of the players. And that's absolutely fine. That's their club. And that's the thing. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not obviously coming out criticising Cork City or, or any League of Ireland club for that thing. But there is a certain arrogance amongst a lot of League of Ireland fans as a result of this Super League. But it's nearly, it's not really that, oh, it, it, like a lot of people aren't big League of Ireland fans. They're more just anti-Premier League. Yeah. And that's the difference there. Like, And, and that's, that's an awful toxic attitude to have. And it's an awful bitter attitude to have. And as you say, it's a lot, what's a lot more important is what's actually happening to football in general. The League of Ireland will always be the League of Ireland. Look, the FAI, in case you haven't noticed, aren't going to fucking do any more for you. Like, no. So the League of Ireland is always going to be the League of Ireland. That's true. If you like that, you love that. And that's absolutely fine. But I don't personally have a connection with it. Um, I'm a very patriotic no. Irishman, as you know. But I don't have a connection with League of Ireland, unfortunately. I do love English football. I love Manchester United. That's kind of what I was... That, that's That's my point about that, really. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I love English football. I've, I've been, a, I love Spanish football as well. You know, yeah. I've, I've loved La Liga. Italian very for myself as well, yeah. Italian football, yeah, especially now Italy's going through a very good period with um, with, with with their league. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I just thought it was worth mentioning because um, I've, you know, I, I <laughs> people will probably take this out of context, but I don't, I haven't had very good experiences with League of Ireland fans. I've always found the conversations to be very toxic and, it's almost like, you know, the, the argument of my dad's bigger than your dad. Like, you know, who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just like, you know, if your team is your team, if that's the team you live down the road from, fair play to you. If it's a team 10,000 miles away from you, fair play to you. You know, you're not a better fan based off location. You know, that's kind of the bottom line there. So I, I, I would just tell League of Ireland fans, don't expect a huge surge in support or a huge increase of support just because, you know, of what's going on now. Um with my stand, to be honest, Dave, and it, I've never thought I'd ever say this, but if this thing does go through and it fully goes ahead and, you know, the Premier League essentially becomes the Carabao Cup where we play our reserve teams and the Super League goes ahead, I, I, I'll have to walk away. I love this. I love this yeah. sport. I love Manchester United. The club will always be in my heart, but I will forever live through those memories that I have and I'll never forget what the club means to me and what it will always mean to me. But I can't support a system that has no progression, has no competitive nature, where it doesn't really matter whether you win or lose, where, you know, um, it's all about the, the the franchise, it's all about the the bottom line, um, nothing really in it for the fans. You know, not all the games are even going to be played at the home stadiums. Apparently there'll be games played in Singapore, Miami, um, Tokyo, great places, you know, nothing wrong with those places, but they're not the lifeblood of where these teams play and you know, that's what preseason tournaments are for that's where you can go on and, and entertain those fans we went to a preseason game in Dublin yeah fantastic yeah it's, it's a brilliant experience and and leave it for that have Champions League finals in, in these places not in the places outside Europe but you know Dublin wherever you know have those games played there but I just I you know to go back to what I was saying though I love this sport it's a big part of my life I feel like part of me will go with this sport um, but I would have to walk away because I can't see something I love suffer so much where, you know, there's essentially nothing I can do about it. But that's why we're speaking about it now to try and stop this from happening. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and, and that, that's that's a great point. And, and I'd be the same. I don't think even and, and, and it kills me to say it, but even I'm not excited for the end of Manchester United's great season, probably our best season post or Alex, really, to be fair. Yeah. I think it probably is. Yeah, I'm not excited for the end of the season anymore. Um, look, maybe if things change in a few days or so, I don't know. I can't even say. I don't even know that though, because the damage is done. As we've said, the damage has been done now at this stage. It's yeah. it it is literally it's it's been it's gotten to a point now where the the clubs have essentially gone. 
yeah, the fans won't like this. We don't care. We don't care. We have money. Why, why would we care? And we knew that already. We knew that they didn't care, but they've publicly given a display of, yeah, we don't give a fuck. The one thing we always had, though, was that we were given what we wanted from the point of at least we were able to play in the league and, you know, experience football as it was. But now even that's been taken. And yeah, that's... Yeah, as I say, we always knew the Glazers didn't give a shit about United. We always knew that. So fucking Joel Glazer tweeted a few years ago, he's only just understanding the offside ruler and he barely still understands it or something. Like, this is the mm-hmm. guy who's supposed to, who's going to be the vice chairman of this fucking Euro- European Super League as well. So that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous that a guy who, who probably hasn't even kicked the football in his life is going to be in charge of this decisions. And that's absolutely ridiculous. There's absolutely nothing. Ed Woodward is a disgrace. He's an absolute disgrace to this football team. Um yeah. Obviously, I don't condone um, violence towards the man. You know, his house was attacked last year, all the rest. I'm very angry at him too, but I'm just putting it out there. I don't condone any sort of violence towards him. But I do think he's a disgrace. He, he, he deserves some sort of punishment. He deserves, for what he's done to Manchester United, for the lack of respect he's shown to the fans, for the poor decisions he's made over the last few years. It's absolutely crazy. And what football once meant... It doesn't mean anymore. Like we can we can dress this up. Like we can say, you know, let's just say the decision gets overturned, or whatever. We can dress up and say, okay, look, we're getting it back. But it's only a matter of time before it changes again. People will want yeah. to change it. That's all. This it's only a matter of time before it changes. It's already changed. Like people, a lot of people have said this over the last years, and it's annoyed me, but it's true. Is yeah, but football's been football's been a business for years now, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. But we still had some bit of dignity left. But now I suppose, look, all things have to come to an end. It has been taken. It really has been taken. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not even looking forward to the end of this season. And it's, it's such a shame because I was really, really, really enjoying this season. It had highs and lows, obviously. But I was really, really, as a Manchester United fan, enjoying this season. We had the first sense of an actual title race for the, for the first time in years, which was unbelievable. Okay, I did know it was going to fall eventually, but it was still a great feeling. We're still technically in a title race. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I don't care now, obviously, it's irrelevant or whatever, but let's just say things were normal or whatever. It, it's not unbelievable that Manchester United could manage to win the league in the, com- in the coming weeks. But all of that is just, I don't even care. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm numb to the feeling. And that's, that's sometimes feeling numb about something is the worst you can feel about something where yeah, I'm not even surprised, which is the sad part. That's the worst part mm-hmm. about all this is I'm not even surprised, do you know? You know what the funny thing about that was was I um people can laugh this they want I, I don't really care I was watching um a compilation of United's last minute goals um yesterday I actually started crying <laughs> just like yeah, yeah. at how just when I can remember every one of them vividly probably bar obviously some of the ones in the nineties because you know I was born in ninety eight but um some of the later ones. Um, after that just how much joy like that would make or break your day Manchester United's result um, because it always meant something the result always meant you know it was a lot of the time obviously under Sir Alex it was the difference between titles and and finishing second and uh, even one thing I actually watched back and this might sound weird as well was I watched back Aguero's goal in 2012 because I remember thinking after that game and how deflated I was bloody hell I can't wait for next season I can't wait for next yeah, season so yeah. we can try and get this thing back and it was just to experience those moments again and it's just really heartbreaking to think that these moments could be gone forever um, 
listen, I'm I've lucky enough that football is not my only passion. I'm very passionate, obviously, about pro wrestling. I'm passionate about mixed martial arts. I'm a, I'm a big gamer, so I have other things that keep me going and yeah. that I, you know, I have huge love and, and passion for. But I've always said if you put all those things and line them up one, you know, next to each other, I wouldn't put any of them higher or lower. You take one away. And I feel like a part of me goes as well. And that's mm. just how I'm feeling right now. Just, I've, I'm glad to be talking about it on here, but it, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very low feeling having to talk about it, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And as I say, this isn't a regular format. And I apologize to anybody who comes here for, um, you know, for like just for an entertaining, um, you know, interview or else just me talking shit or whatever. But this is something I feel very personal about. And, um, Part of the reason I wanted to bring it up actually was uh, to do with mental health. And mm. again, people might think this is ridiculous, but an awful lot of people around the world, right, around Europe, especially right now, that are seeing their football clubs, as you say, it's a big part of people's lives, that are seeing this happen to their football teams, to their national games, whatever, in Spain, in Italy, in England, are suffering with, with their mental health as a result, are feeling... Yeah betrayed are feeling um a bit lost um and i know there's people like i i i understand there's and as a non-football fan if i was a non-football fan i probably would be half thinking just fucking get over it. it's a game of football but you know it's it's it is much more than that and and, and you know if anybody is suffering uh you know as a result if anybody's feeling anything you should talk about it you know get you know stand with your other buddies stand with your friends and this is why football fans have to stand together at this time, even rivals, because this is the time when we're going to have to show that we're all a fan of the game at the end of the day. Um, we all love this beautiful game, no matter who we are. And, of course, it is a very tough time for people who... This is their livelihood, and it's a very big part of my life. Um, it's something that can make or break my weekend. If Manchester United win or lose, it can make or break my weekend, to be honest with mm. you. On a Sunday, we've been playing a lot on the Sunday, so it's, you know, Monday morning's form can be affected an awful lot as a result, which is fact-like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of... Like, we could talk to dead about it, really, but that's a big one. And there was something you shared on Facebook earlier, which actually made me very sad, was um, a memory of uh, final speeches the players were making. Yeah. Not just the Manchester United speeches, but even, like... The likes of John Terry, you know, like as much as, you know, he was a rival for us an awful lot. Th there's like that culture of player that would have dedicated their life to a club and was just interested in winning for the team. Vincent Company is another example of a rival. Steven Gerrard, as much as we might like to, you know, <laughs> praise him as much as we would, but like another example of somebody that would have, that would have bled the, you know, the colors of the club because that's, that that that's all that matters. I don't know if that culture of player has even gone ever before European Super League. I don't know. It's it's rare. It's very rare now that you find yeah. a player with that much love and interest in a club. Weirdly enough, you mentioned that video, and this is going to shock probably everybody. The one that got to me the most when I watched it back was Gerard's speech. That yeah. was the one that actually got to me the most because he embodied everything I wanted to beat as a Manchester yeah. United fan because he was Mister Liverpool. I remember actually like looking at him and he's saying his, his speech is one of the more, you know, it's probably one of the saddest ones because he's openly talking about how gutted he is about never being able to play for Liverpool again. And listen, I'm the farthest thing from a Liverpool fan, but I remember looking at him going, bloody hell, you were a great rival. And I loved the games 
where we were I love the United Liverpool games where yeah. him and Scholes were in midfield and Keane and and you know they they had obviously uh, Chabi Alonso and uh, you know um, players like that in their team and it just made me sad to think you know you're on about the mental health side of things there again I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago I'm very open about it on my kind of social media and, and stuff I have BPD borderline personality disorder my moods change every few minutes you know what I mean um, yeah I I've you know been very open about that and uh, football is a great release for that because even if things are going wrong in football it's a distraction and it can get me out of some you know dark holes and um, that's the really crippling thing about it now is that could be gone um, and the fact that I'm watching a rival player who I Nothing against Gerard Parson. He's probably a lovely fella, but who yeah. I hated as a professional. Of course, yeah, looking, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at him going, bloody hell, I'd give anything to see you score the winner against us now because it'd be a distraction from my problems. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Desperate times, lad. Desperate fucking times. Yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. You know, I'd flipping... Yeah, it's... <laughs> what else can you say? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a really fucking sad time. Yeah, and... Um... You know, I suppose Liverpool are the club we love to hate. Um, mm. As a Manchester United fan, I'm trying to romanticise this as much as I can. Liverpool mean a lot more to me as a football team than Manchester City do. Yeah. Even though they're the local city rivals, Liverpool's rivalry at Manchester United... Um, again, rivals, not enemies. Uh, when it's important, we do come yeah. together. Um, has meant a lot more. You'd have a lot more crack with, um, you know, the Liverpool fans you've been over this because we've had so much history together. We, you know, we we've we've hurt each other at awful times and like seen see, two unbelievable clubs, the two biggest and most successful clubs in English history, and yeah, they're just just, just an unbelievable club as well, like Manchester United, and and that's why it's such. They're the two teams I'm most upset with, and most angry with. That yeah, d- d- it's not what the clubs represent. Obviously, the Hillsborough disaster, which the anniversary was recently, absolute yeah. tragedy. Um, it's a time where Manchester United and Liverpool fans come together to mourn the 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 people who, uh, the, the 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 people who went to a game and didn't come home, which is terrible. But it's also part of their history, and this has been spat on again because of this. European Super League. Yeah. It's not what Liverpool represents. Liverpool Liverpool are a club that would come back from something like that because they have such a great unity amongst the fans and have such a great history and have a great mentality. That's not Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? I um did something last night I never thought I would ever do. And um Craig from Anfield Agenda was doing a live stream, a watch along of Liverpool and Leeds. And I actually super chatted into it. Just you know, um, you know, he's been very open about how he feels about this uh, this Super League and how much football you know helps him get through his tough times. Um, it was just literally just to say to him because uh, he came on the United Stand on Sunday night and uh, he just gave his views about it. Very yeah. uh, very good guy actually, Craig. He's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Very knowledgeable about Liverpool. Um, and yeah, just to say, I had a lot of respect for him for what he does, and you know, send best wishes. And to be fair, that was given back, so it was nice to have that moment. Um, um, but like, even he, when he was talking about how he started supporting Liverpool, he said it was when it was when Arsenal um, 
won the league at Anfield and uh, all the Liverpool fans in the cop got up and applauded Arsenal. And he said it was the respect they showed to the team that eventually won. You know, that was the reason why he started supporting them. So just, you know, to have something like that and to have that memory, um, even in defeat, it just goes to show how special this sport is. Yeah, great. Um, it, It is. And that's how unbelievable the two clubs are. Like, for me, they're the two greatest football teams of all time, to be totally honest, which I think they're the two... Our yeah. our history together has been unbelievable. Our rivalry, and it's a shame that it could come to an end with with this. Um, sorry, no, I'm not cutting across this point because I am I am actually really enjoying this. But I just got a notification on my phone, breaking news that Chelsea to leave Super League as soon yep. as possible. So could it be the collapse? Oh, really? Yeah, I just got that. No, there isn't anything about it yet because it's literally just after breaking on Sky Sports. I got the notification, so we don't have anything much about that yet. But that's a big team to pull out now straight away. Uh-huh. So. Is this the possibly the, the the breakdown of this? Do you know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, I tell you what, I think Carragher was saying it, and I'm sure Gary Neville said it as well, that it'll take one team pulling out for the whole thing to collapse because the, the, the whole point the Premier League teams are doing this is because they want the traditional, whatever that means, <laughs> top six yeah, to, bullshit. you know, to, to, they, they want to do this all together. But if one of them pulls out, you, you can't go to Leicester, you can't go to flipping West Ham because you've told them you didn't want them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Exactly, this, yeah, yeah. This, let's hope this is the breakdown of... Um, let's hope this is the breakdown of, of, of this um, proposed idea. And let's hope that, you know, I, I've said that the best outcome I'm hoping from this is that we can look at the Champions League format and improve that because I think that's going to benefit world football. Well, not world football, but European football in, in the long run um, as opposed to this absolute commercial fucking waste of time. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, but as I say, like that, you know, the the possible collapse of this should make me feel better, but I'm actually just so hurt by it anyway, that it's, it's nearly like if it does collapse and things do just stay the same, as I say, it's nearly, you're nearly thinking, oh, sure, it's going to change anyway, eventually. But also you're thinking the damage has been done. Like the damage has been done. We've seen what football has become now. Will it mean as yeah. much anymore? If United lift the Europa League trophy, will it mean as much anymore? And that, and, and that's it's uh, to be honest with you, it's not a it's not a question I know the outright answer to, but I'm unsure. Mm. I'm more leaning towards the not really, and I hate that. I hate being in this position. And as I was saying, you know, it's such a bizarre thing that fans are ho- are hoping their own clubs would be punished. I hate like there's every Liverpool fan I've talked to in the last few days, every Chelsea fan I've talked to in the last few days. Um, Spurs fans, even Arsenal fans, um, Man City, any fan that I've talked to, but Liverpool fans in particular, I've talked to a good few, are all saying, punish Liverpool for this, punish Manchester United for this, punish the clubs for this, because it is absolutely, it's it's disgraceful to the game. And that is a bizarre scenario to be in, that they're coming out and saying that it is absolutely bizarre. I never in my life would have pictured something like this, ever. No. And you know what? Patrick Bamford said it last night after the Leeds and Liverpool game. Um, Something else where I'm hoping that will, will uh, change after this is obviously UEFA, Premier League, FA, they've all come out straight away and attacked this head on. We need serious issues like racism to be attacked with the same yeah. um, speed that they, they've done with this, you know. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Look, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from that point of view as well that we can look at this and learn from this. And, you know, if, if it all does fall apart, which hopefully it will. Um, that we can go, okay, if we attack that, if we can attack other issues the way we attack that, 
can we sort them out as well as we've sorted this out? So that's another way you have to look at it as well. You yeah, know? that's and a very ho- good point. Hopefully, yeah. this is, can be the, the turnaround for things like that because um, that's another issue, I think, that unfortunately has been a little bit overshadowed because it's been a huge issue in football for way longer than it ever needed to be. Um, so let's hope this is the starting point of that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that is a very good point. And... Um... Yeah, no, it's 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 taken so long for you know the Premier League to take such a stance. Um, now England are doing quite are doing better than a lot of other countries are. Um, still not perfect, of course not, but I think England are doing well enough with the um, support for Black Lives Matter for um, for you know football against sexism, football against homophobia, things like that, transphobia. Um, it is they are doing a bit more. Like I mean, for example, some other countries are not like again not having a, a, a go off italian football here or the Serie A. it's it's probably my second favorite league um yeah. i have personal connection to italy as well and um but Serie A are behind the premier league when it comes to these issues now again i'm only mm-hmm. touching on this because it's not what we're here to talk about but um yeah there was a headline in particular we've talked to shit about this there was a headline um nearly about two years ago now last year anyway uh, definitely about a year ago i'm not sure the whole time is working anymore um <laughs> it was roma were playing inter and uh romelu lukaku and chris smalling who are two former manchester united players are playing for the respective clubs and the headline was black friday which if that mm. was posted in england the newspaper would be nearly shut down and that's the sun national newspaper in italy that's the the, the italian sun like which yeah. is the change you know it's like, I mean, it's la- not laughable because it's funny. It's laughable that that got approved that mm-hmm. like, you know, that the, the higher ups were like saw that and didn't go. What the fuck you are you doing? Like they went, yeah, post that, publish that. What, what's the harm in that? Like, you know what I mean? It's just a fucking it's a system that's completely broken there, you know, um, you know, uh, every country, I think it has. um things like that that they can deal with from you know one extreme to another Italy yeah. seems to be quite extreme again great people everyone everyone I've met from Italy is fantastic and I know they'd never um act like that but if if people in, in that position are doing things like that you know it's uh it just goes to show how backwards um some people over there can be but look you know um that's that's not yeah. to do with the the Good people of Italy, of course. Yeah, yeah, and again, my Italian team are uh, Cagliari from Sardinia and um, great football club, great history. They're in trouble at the moment. They're in relegation, but uh, hopefully mm. they'll stay up. But even that, I've seen the uh, Cagliari fans racially abuse Lukaku um, and racially abuse other yeah. black footballers. Um, and again, look, I'm not. We're, look, we're, we sound like we're ganging up on Italy here. We're not. Spain has had its issues as well. England has obviously yeah. had its issues as well. But, but I do think. Um, the Premier League as an official um, I'm not saying racism is any better in, in England or anywhere it's, it's a terrible issue over there too um, as we've seen with Brexit the whole lot there's a lot of xenophobia things like that um, yeah. but what I would say is that as a, as a governing body the Premier League and the FA to be fair have tackled it better than other countries not perfectly I'm not going to fucking say oh yeah we'll hold them on a magical pedestal I'm not saying that but certainly better than um Perhaps the league or Serie A have definitely 100% better than, than they have, but still not perfect. There's still an awful lot to do. Um, 
But again, yeah, I, that is a great point about uh, the, the, this the Super League that everyone's jumping to the thing of let's get this, let's get this sorted, let's get rid of this. And it almost makes you feel a bit guilty because you're like, okay, I jumped to this. Look, I've shown a lot of support for Black Lives Matter movement. I'm not going like, and you know, for I, I do think it's great to the Premier League, but have I jumped to the same the same kind of you know um, effort? I haven't. Yeah. And I feel I feel terrible for that. I do. I actually do feel terrible for that. And that is a great point. And it's something as a white lad, I've never had to even think about really. So mm-hmm. that's probably why I haven't jumped to that conclusion. But yeah, that is a great point. And it's something that I'm definitely going to take on board more is that we need to tackle other issues of the actual, you know, actually, I suppose actual issues of abuse and things like that, as opposed to, you know, something happening to football, which is a serious issue, but not, not quite as serious. Yeah, definitely. That is a great point. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, it goes across, you know, you know, color of your skin, religion, nationality you know whatever your background is it's 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 all these things you know james mclean is another guy who's been very outspoken about the abuse he's yeah. gotten you know it's it's it, it goes it you know that just goes to show how close to home it can get and um you know i luckily enough i've been brought up not to hate people based off where they're from look we all have a bit of banter with you know our english friends or whatever on on a day yeah. where ireland might play england it's it's you know it, it's just it's a sporting rivalry and I look at it as nothing more than what it is look we have our history we both have things in the past we probably both wish that we didn't do but it's you know I think we're in a position now where I think the relationship overall is very good between ourselves and, and Britain and I'm very happy with that because yeah. I, I, I don't I don't like fighting with people that might be surprising to some people to hear <laughs> when they hear me on this but you know um, <laughs> um but you know, that's just, you know, thankfully I, I've never looked at someone and um, hated them based off of their uh, background or whatever it is. So, yeah, as, as we were saying here, to kind of get to the the point of what we're trying to say is, yeah, let's hope that these issues are tackled more head on now and um, the world of football and just the world in general can be a much um, more accepting place. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, probably more of a, a moral reason to want to see this uh, Super League collapse, you know, because uh, there's so many things inside and outside of football that are going to be affected because of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's kind of pretty much all we can say on that. We could go on about something, you know, we, we've kind of gone away from the Super League a small bit there, but um, definitely uh, that's pretty much all we can say about that. Look, I do hope it collapses. I'm very hurt by by all of this. I'm very... I'm not trying to sound like you know a personal victim here. As a football fan, I'm, I'm I'm united with other football fans on this. We are very hurt about this. It's our sport. Yeah. How dare they try and take that away from us? How dare they try and commercialize it so much? Um, commercialize it even more, should I say? But this is what again, maybe this is showing how great football can be, and this is showing how great football fans can be, and how people can come together and do better. I'll be interested to see uh, why Chelsea pulled out so quickly. It's not actually coming up there for me. Um, mm. I will be interested to see that, especially when, you know, um, they have Roman Abramovich in charge. That it, is, it is interesting to see um, why they pulled out. Um, but yeah. again, it would be good to see it collapse. There is an awful lot of damage there. I don't know how I feel about the rest of the season. Look, I'm the kind of guy too that like in a few weeks' time, if I see if I see Bruno Fernandez with his hand on that trophy, I'll probably be fucking running around the place. But again, yeah, I'm only saying what I'm gonna say. Look, 
I'm, I am as a football fan. I'm, I'm very hurt by this. Hopefully, things will will get better for 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 from this point. And as you say, we can tackle issues a lot a lot better now. Obviously, it shows how when people come together and fight against something, we can make a difference. Maybe, hopefully, anyway. But I'm speaking about this. We're on the 20th of April at the moment. 420, man. Um, hey. and yeah, so that's 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 all I have to say on that anyway. Um, do you want to finish it up, lad? Or, yeah, no, look, I think we've we've covered a lot of good points there. You know, I know you say we went a little bit away from the Super League, but I think the Super League is only highlighting the wider issue, the wider issues in football. You know, there's a lot of things that are getting, um, not, not as much publicity as they or attention that they should get, you know. So I think it's good to talk about these things. I think we've covered a lot of good tracks there, as you say. We're recording this on the twentieth. Let's hope by the time this goes up, that a few more clubs have pulled out, um, and that we have a bit more clarity on where things are going. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> what I have to say from from my side at least. Uh, Joy lad, cheers for coming in. Um, it's 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 always a pleasure talking to you about these things. Um, obviously, you know we're gonna we're, we maybe even talk about this sooner rather than later again, hopefully. But yeah. um, again, always thanks very much for giving me your time, and I hope to see you again soon, man. All right, pleasure, Dave. Thanks very much. Nice one.